we know that the book says that there will be concessions, right? That that was the thing that came right before the Grand Siesta, that the League shall sell concessions to fans. I just realized that doesn't necessarily mean food. They could somehow be selling the concept of concessions. The concept of conceding. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling as good as I can. I woke up at four o'clock this morning. I forgot Jesus to mention Christ. that. Um, wow. If you... I'm lower energy than usual this recording, that's why. So Lee, the question I want to ask you before we even get into the episode is, are you participating in the cultural event that is hashtag consensual cannibalism? Evan, I would like to just go ahead and say somebody absolutely got pseudo-canceled on Twitter for bringing up a conversation that they had with their friends where it's like, if you were allowed to eat someone, would you? And everybody (laughs) collectively lost their minds and said, like, that's not okay to joke about. I can't believe you joke about cannibalism because there's a subset of people on Twitter who apparently never knew anyone who got high in their freshman year and talked about stuff like this at college. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I just, I, I needed to know. Okay, so do you know, like, the... Oh, yes, it's 100% just Hannibal stands seeing if they could get consensual cannibalism trending. Oh, so it's a thought experiment. Basically, yeah. Okay. It's just people doing this for the sake of being able to do this. For being able to see all the following tweets, because what happens whenever something starts trending on Twitter is that the entire hashtag just becomes, why is blank trending? And then it just takes off from there. Exactly. Once somebody asks why something is trending, it will take off because then the hashtag just starts trending because people will say, I can't believe that this hashtag is trending. Exactly. Let me pull up my notes and take a drink of water, and then we can get started with the actual episode. Fantastic. I have my peppermint tea that I'm drinking for digestion issues, which I'll talk about after our introductions. (laughs) Oh, what news I have for you, Evan. All right. Coming to you pre-recorded after the Coffee Cup Exhibition Tournament, this is, this is a cultural event, a baseball recap podcast. I'm your host, Evan Saft. My pronouns are they, them. Joining me as always is your other host, Eli. Hello, everybody. My name is Eli Lee, and you all know me, don't you, boys and girls, before the job and the family you hate, before everything got so hard. Remember Saturday morning television? The smell of a new plastic toy? Do you remember being happy? Then you remember me, Eli Lee. My pronouns are they, them. (laughs) All right. I've been reading a lot of Immortal Hulk recently. Oh, I, I probably should read that. I've just been, I've been, I've been reading through Haikyuu. I'm not getting baseball for my fake sports, so I'm getting into sports manga. Again. I said, eventually this is going to turn into a sports manga recap podcast, which also does carry the implication with it that Immortal Hulk is a sports manga. (laughs) I mean, yeah, listen, I think the Hulk would be an incredible wing spiker, which is a position I now know, having known literally nothing about volleyball. 
Is there anything more shown in manga than going to hell and beating up your own dad because he's down there? I'm pretty sure I've seen that happen in shonen manga. Exactly! Uh, actually, didn't that explicitly happen in Yu Yu Hakusho? Yes. <laughs> Which I guess I guess Yu Yu Hakusho does count as a sports manga if you count boy fights as a sport. <laughs> if there is a tournament arc, it is a sports manga. <laughs> if there are rules to fighting, it just becomes MMA. Alright. Oh, man. So... Lee, you ready? I know we've both had, we had some shitty weeks. You ready to jump into some baseball now? Oh man, Evan, let me tell you, before we get into baseball, I would like to open with some personal news of mine. I wanted to wait till we were recording to say this, but I have, for the first time in my 32 years on this earth, I have eaten the McRib. The McRib has announced that it has come down from whatever forest in a mountain it was hiding in, and it has graced humans again for a limited time, and I finally decided that I was going to go ahead and see what all the fuss was about, and I ate a McRib. So we're taking the tangent from the Tried and True recap podcast to do a quick interlude in food review podcasts, or yes. I guess YouTube reactions... Unfortunately, the audience can't see our face cams right now. This podcast is actually my secret way of starting a food review podcast where I, I eat limited edition foods and I review them. So yeah, finally, after all the fuss about the McRib, I tried it. Before I tell you what I thought about it, I do want to give you a little bit of cultural context on the McRib because I certainly wanted to see what it was about before I ate it. So an important thing to know about the McRib is that it actually got taken off the menu because it sucked so bad. <laughs> this is a true thing that happened. It was a standard menu item and it was selling so poorly that they decided to pull it. You should also know that the McRib is a byproduct of the American military industrial complex. The product description of the McRib is thus, as per Wikipedia, the McRib consists of a restructured, that has a citation next to it, boneless pork patty shaped like a miniature rack of ribs, and it has barbecue sauce, onions, and pickles. It's served as a sandwich on a five and a half inch roll. Meat restructuring was developed by the U.S. Army to deliver low-cost meat to troops in the field. The process was refined by a Natick Army Labs meat scientist, Dr. Roger Mandigo, leading to the McRib patty. I it is primarily composed of ground pork shoulder, which I don't know if I necessarily believe that. I'm pretty sure meat scientist Dr. Mandigo is a porn. <laughs> I'm fairly certain of that. I did not know that, you know, I probably should have guessed this because the U.S. Army is such a, a monolith that it employs literally every kind of profession under the sun. But U.S. Army meat scientist is not a profession <laughs> that I was expecting to run face first into in this year of 2000. <laughs> this year of 2000? This year of 2000. This <laughs> We've gone back in time to the year this 2000. Year? Oh, no. 20, no. I forgot what year it is. I wish. Oh, my God. I, this, congratulations. We've gone back in time to record this podcast. We've discovered time travel vis-a-vis -vis the McRib. And I've traveled back to prevent this horrible nightmare from happening. 
Yeah, the the phrase a U.S. Army meat scientist was not a phrase that I was expecting to run face first into in this year of 2020. (laughs) So now that you've regaled us of the backstory, now that you've taken the the explanatory (laughs) role on this podcast, what was the experience? Okay, so the other thing that you have to know is whenever I eat one of these, like, special limited release fast foods, I tend to grade it on a rubric, and the rubric is based on the ratio of hype to payoff. So... Basically, there's a a number from one to five, one being least hype, five being hype beast, and then a one to five scale of worst food I've ever eaten, and then like a a pretty successful piece of fast food that's uh, up on the five scale. And um, I will say, I ate the McRib, and it was fine. It was reconstituted pork shoulder. It was a substance that a U.S. Army meat scientist created years ago. And yeah, I mean, it was fine. I ate it and I was like, well, I ate a McRib. It's okay. I think that the McRib is probably one of the safer choices that you can make if you're a fast food franchise and you want to like create a very hypeable menu item because it's Very hard to fuck up just, like, a meat shape that's covered in sauce with, like, onions and pickles on a bun. It's really hard to fuck that up. So I feel like the McRib is almost McDonald's punting. Mm -hmm. Whenever they reliably need to get, like, butts in the drive-thru to get their food. When they need to up their sales a bit. Yeah, when they need to, to goose the sales a little bit, they trot out the McRib. Which they probably need to because of all the places, like, reclosing in restaurant dining. Yeah, so the... I mean, it's... <laughs> McDonald's as a restaurant. <laughs> a fast food restaurant. <laughs> so McDonald's. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, they're having so many people regretting that they can't eat inside. You know, I was eating the McRib and I was like, maybe this would have been different with the ambiance of a McDonald's. <laughs> maybe this would be different if I weren't eating it at my desk after spending 20 minutes online at the post office. Alas, the McRib is just fine. It's a perfectly reasonable sandwich. I probably would have been happier if I had gotten a cheeseburger. So, in terms of cultural events, ranking between the return of the McRib and baseball, what's what's your current standing? Uh, like, baseball needs to be as big as the McRib for it to, like, chart. Like, we know what baseball is, that's fine, but baseball is kind of an insular sort of Twitter phenomenon. The McRib's, the McRib, rather, had a spot on The Simpsons back when The Simpsons was actually good, so. <laughs> baseball needs to get up there first. Simpsons. Call the game ban. Don't call us. We have nothing to do with it other than us telling you what happened on baseball, which we should probably get into. Yeah, I seed my time. <laughs> this is your show now. I was able to sneak in my podcast within a podcast where I eat really shitty fast food and then review it for you. <laughs> well, Lee, I do want to check one more baseball related thing before I get into the recap. Mm-hmm. Lee, you, you mentioned you were maybe going to do this this week. Have you spent any time investigating the Twitter RP? Of baseball. I haven't. Okay. I'm gonna make this segment really short. My answer's no. Okay. Well, I think there was a wedding, so you can look forward to that when you try and, you know, do some, um, what's the word? Forensic, uh, analysis of forensic RP (laughs) investigation. Yeah, so you, you start taking me through, uh, what are we up to? Season five of baseball? Season five. Five. Season five. Take me through season five while I just go ahead and quietly punch in baseball wedding in my Twitter search bar. 
There's been multiple. I see that. All right. So, recap. Season five. Season five. Our subtitle for this season is Reverb. As you might recall, last season, we had some alternates brought in. A number of players were replaced by alternates. That's really the biggest thing. The microphone is still sort of hanging around, occasionally saying things on Twitter. And we get, and as has been the case with many seasons, the newest addition to this season five is a new piece of weather. This weather is called Reverb as you might expect, and it has uh, a couple effects, or a couple possible effects. The biggest thing that we see, or the thing that we see occur most often, is that Reverb can shuffle the team's roster, which is a little terrifying when we first see it on day five of this season, as the Hawaii Fridays have their entire team shuffled in the feedback. Which means not just their lineup for their batting order, not just their rotation of pitchers, but some players, like, switch between batting and pitching. And there are a lot of players who were improved at doing the thing that they're doing and are not good at doing other things. You might recall that the Baltimore Crabs had a whole thing last season with blessings getting people to the right positions because they sucked at their current positions. And this weather threatens to destroy that for many teams. I'm sure that a lot of people can relate to the experience of having a weather event ruin some kind of position that they wanted to try. (laughs) It's winter. That's a choice. (laughs) Blizzards are coming. (laughs) Now, we do see that this entire team shuffle is not the case every time. Was our first instance, and it's certainly the most impactful, we also see that these reverberations can also shuffle just the rotation, meaning the pitchers, because pitchers only... There's, there's no subbing out of pitchers. Pitchers play in a rotation. You have five pitchers at this current moment in time. All teams have five pitchers, and those each game, it switches to the next pitcher. Reverberation can switch that order, and it can also change your batting order. So, those aren't as scary. Uh, there's definitely, you know, some optimization where, hey, it's good to have better batters go earlier in their batting order, because then they get more bats per game. Inspir- I don't I don't know what the word is. At-bats. At-bats! Does baseball work on the assumption that, like, each team gets a certain number of physical bats during inning, and once you use them all, that's it? You don't get any more until the next inning? I mean, yes! I mean, that's kind of what outs are, right? What if an out is... Except that, mm, we know that outs... No, I mean physical bats. Like, they take them away from you after you're done using them. Right. So... Unfortunately, getting into some coffee cup spoilers, we do know that outs are physical objects, apparently. Just like how wins and losses were physical objects in season 11 with all the black holes in Sun 2. So, you know what? Maybe, maybe they're taking bats away from people. Maybe they have little, you know, flying mammals on their shoulders at all times. And once all those flying mammals have been taken away from you, you are no longer allowed to hit a ball. I was going to say, it's very nice to see other physical objects joining balls as things that can be both an intangible expression of a play that you're doing in baseball, but also an actual thing that you need in order to play the game. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, I guess I didn't think of that. Balls balls yeah. were both a metaphysical object and a literal object. Goodness. Schrodinger's balls. Uh, so, we we only see a couple of these entire team shuffles. We see a number of lineup and rotation shuffles. We see four shuffles of the entire teams, one for the Hawaii Fridays, one for the Chicago Firefighters. Notably, that moves their star pitcher Axel Trollolol. I believe a five-star pitcher at this point, from a pitcher to a batter, which he is not as good at as pitching, the Miami Dale and the Unlimited Tacos. They all have their entire team shuffled in the feedback. Some other teams, as mentioned, have their rotations and lineup shuffled, but that's not, you know, there's not as much to talk about there. It's just a change in order. There is an additional effect that we uh, kind of see that Reverb can have, because we also see that Reverb has the chance to give a player the reverberating modification, which gives them a small chance of batting again after each of their at-bats end. However, there's only one instance of a player gaining this effect, Don Mitchell of the San Francisco Lovers, and as far as I can tell, we don't actually see that effect activate at all. But it's there. That modification definitely happened and was given to a player. We also have our returning weather, as always. First up, our incinerations, fairly low for this season. Only two are our lowest so far in the Discipline era. We, of course, have to say goodbye to Richardson Turquoise of the Yellowstone Magic and Emmett Internet of the Hellmount Sunbeams. So, uh, a moment of silence for our fallen players. Okay, moment over. Hey, only two people were burned alive this season. That's yeah, pretty good. you know... We also return with peanuts. As has been the case, players can eat peanuts and have yummy or allergic reactions. There's only three of these this time. I'm not going to go over all of them. And feedback. As you'll recall, feedback, our new weather from last season, which switched players from opposing teams, this only happens once this season, as Wyatt Glover from the Unlimited Tacos... Newly named Wyatt Glover, as you'll recall, from the great Wyatt Masoning, and Alexandria Walton of the Yellowstone Magic switch teams. There's not as much to go over this season in terms of events. There's nothing, there's, there's no, you know, there's no huge data issues, as has been the case for our last couple seasons, where, you know, there's a massive event that happens because of huge bugs or users, you know, manipulating the API. And hey, only only two people were incinerated, <laughs> and at most, three people died of an allergic reaction from eating peanuts. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. You know, no catastrophic data losses. That's, I think, pretty good. And that's our weather for the season. Uh, one notable thing that does happen this season is day 78, the tacos reach party time. This is sets the record at this point in the season for fastest time to mathematical elimination for participating in the playoffs. The tacos complete the speed run to party time. So well done, tacos. That's a speed run that I can get behind. As we've gone over, they'll hold this record for a couple of seasons until it is taken by the Hawaii Fridays. But that, that you can listen to in one of our earlier episodes if you've been listening to this in season order and not in release order. Which, I honestly don't know whether that would be more or less confusing. 
You know, I think that this podcast is a lot like Star Wars in that you can experience it in any number of different sequences and all of them offer something different but equally enriching to it. Also, it's very weird how we have Gungans on the podcast now. Yeah, I was also going to say that it's weird, you know, we don't talk about the one episode that Ryan Johnson was on, even though it was the best one. It was really good. I'm kind of surprised that our audience didn't react better to Mm. it. Anyways, so our season closes out, our regular season closes out. As you might expect, the Tacos are at the bottom with a record of 23 wins and 73 losses, tied for first place with 65 wins and 34 losses are the San Francisco Lovers and the Baltimore Crabs, my beloved Baltimore Crabs. Go Crabs. Go Crabs, which takes us into the postseason. From the postseason... Representing the good league, we have the San Francisco Lovers, the Dallas Stakes, the New York Millennials, and the Chicago Firefighters. From the evil league, we have my beloved Baltimore Crabs, the Canada Moist Talkers, the Breckenridge Jazz Hands, and our two-time reigning champions, the Hades Tigers. Remember, having won the championship, the Hades Tigers have won the championship two times. If they win one more time, they will ascend. In the first round, the Breckenridge Jazz Hands sweep the Hades Tigers. Well, that's to be expected. You can't possibly expect a tiger to stand up to what is easily God's most evil creation. Hands? The crab. No, they lost to the Jazz Hands. Well, I mean, hands do beat crabs. That's how you eat them. (laughs) So by the transitive property, hands beat tigers. Yes. Okay. Hands gain all of crabs' powers. (laughs) Hands beat tigers. Oh, that's that's gonna... Dinosaur eats man. Woman inherits the earth. That's gonna become relevant later. Oh, no. So, yes, the Breckner's Jazz Hands sweep the Hades Tigers. The Kanda Moist Tuckers defeat the Baltimore Crabs, meaning that the Baltimore Crabs in their first playoff appearance are eliminated in the first round. The Chicago Firefighters defeat the New York Millennials. And the San Francisco Lovers defeat the Dallas Stakes. Which means round two of the playoffs, we have the San Francisco Lovers against the Chicago Firefighters and the Breckenridge Jazz Hands against the Canada Moist Talkers. The Lovers fall to these Chicago Firefighters, despite them no longer having Axel on the mound for their pitching. And the Breckenridge Jazz Hands are able to fend off the Canada Moist Talkers, including a 23-inning game against their star pitcher Polkadot Patterson. Meaning that our finals for this season are going to be the Chicago Firefighters versus the Breckenridge Jazz Hands. We'll see who'll be able to pull this out. Is it going to be like whole firefighters, or is it just going to be a part of the human body that is also attached to firefighters? I mean, the thing to know about the firefighters is they are from Chicago. Ooh, but the hands have already defeated both crabs and tigers. Correct, correct. Powered up. Powered up by the spirits of crabs, God's most evil animal, and tigers, the animal that looks best airbrushed on the side of a panel van. Ooh, I mean, that's a hard pick, because, I mean, there's also a strong contender from wolves. I think it, uh, it's it's a hard pick. Here's the, uh, the tiebreaker. What animal looks better next to a wizard? Okay. In that same airbrushing. Okay, fair, fair. Tiger. Fair, 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 fair. All right, yeah, yeah. Uh, tiger, tigers win the airbrushed on a van championships over wolves. Good job, tigers. You can ascend. <laughs> I did it. Oh, quick, get in there before someone notices that you're in on a technicality. <laughs> All right. So 
This is a pretty intense finals. The firefighters win game one, the jazz hands win game two and three. In game four, they are tied at the bottom of the ninth inning until Declan Suzanne, another player who is often characterized as a complete dirtbag and sometimes boyfriend of Tillman Henderson, he knows how to pick him. That Tillman Henderson. He could do better, Tillman. You could do better. <laughs> I think I think given their characterizations, both of them could do better. <laughs> but also, I don't know if either of them could do worse. Anyways, Declan Suzanne eats a peanut, has an allergic reaction, meaning that their stats drop. However, they then are still able to hit in a run from Justice Spoon, winning the game and setting the game to two to three, meaning that they are now shaming the Jazz Hands. And the Jazz Hands, since they came in top four, last season and targeted shame is in effect they start the next game because this game ends two to three firefighters they start the next game at minus one run which leads to the firefighters emboldened by this they are able to win this game 6-0 now that doesn't mean that they got a shutout because since the jazz hands started at negative one they did score one run it just set them to zero God bless you, boys. You know what? I think there is honor in being able to say it wasn't a shutout. It may look like a shutout, but it wasn't a shutout. We started at negative one. And it doesn't matter if you don't know what the fuck we're talking about, because that's not a thing that typically happens in baseball. But yes, so we have a new champion. For the first time in a while, season five, a new champion. They are not the Pies. They are not the Tigers. They are the Chicago Firefighters. They are from Chicago, and they are your season five Internet League baseball champions. That's right, Chicago. Which means, with the playoffs over, that we are... And actually, before before I... I, I I'd say that this is where we get into our election, but I, I do actually want to make a quick comment on one thing, which is just, this season feels a little lighter, not because anything was, you know, there, the competition was less intense or anything, or even the actual events were less frequent. There's sort of a thought that weather was less frequent, or at least is getting less frequent, and that the game band are still sort of fine-tuning things. Uh, I think the biggest effect on that this season is actually reverb feeling less impactful. Because compared to last season, we actually had more weather events. There were 23 weather events over the course of the season. There were 20 in the last season. But the lineup and rotation changes for reverb don't have as much of a detrimental effect on a roster. So you don't really remember them as much and they don't stand out as much. It's, you know, oh, the batting order changed. That's fine. But so, so this, this season, I think, has a little less to talk about in it. Besides the wonderful Taco speedrun and the Ascendant Firefighters Championship. But yes, that takes us into the election. So, our favorite, our favorite time for capitalism. As players cash out and making sure that they cash out now. Because remember, Eat the Rich is still in effect for the moment. So players need to make sure that they are spending their coins, usually on votes, to make sure that they don't get eaten. Our decrees on the ballot, there is only one decree passing this time. Our decrees are Confuse Good, High Filter, Diagonal World, Parallel World, Do Nothing, and Confuse Evil. Notably, this is also the first time that there is no description to what these decrees are, so we're all kind of guessing. That makes it better, in my opinion. In a way, yeah. Yeah. 
there's definitely a lot of, you know, who knows? There, there's a lot of theory crafting. The prevailing theory that will become closest to true is that they are reorganizations of the League as there are the good and evil sub-Leagues, and the idea that, you know, you might change what teams are in each sub-League or in each division. Passing, the decree that pass is high filter. Blood fills the tub. Four are dipped in. Fight for the surface. A ladder of bodies. Porcelain cracks. Very exciting that you guys have introduced an Elizabeth Bathory mechanic. <laughs> uh, you're not as far off as one might think. So yes, we're not going to get into the specifics of what all that blood stuff is, but we do see that this is indeed a league shakeup, and that High Filter, in fact, sorts the teams in terms of performance. So before we had Chaotic Good, Lawful Good, Lawful Evil, and Chaotic Evil, right? And maybe I messed some of those words up, but you know what I mean. Yeah. We see the top five teams get sorted into Wild High, we see the bottom five teams get sorted into Wild Low, and we see the ten teams besides that, the top ten that are not the top five, the top ten through six, uh, become Mild High, and the bottom eleven through fifteen become Mild Low. So we have two new rosters now. We, we have these new leagues. I've realized that I should have gotten a screenshot of what the actual components were of each of those leagues. So give me a second and I'll see if I can find that. All right. I was going to try and find what the explicit setups were for these teams at the end of this season. But there's been a couple... Oh, wait, no, I can reconstruct this. Okay, sorry. Give me one moment and I can figure this out. It's a little weird. So, after this sorting, our leagues stand as such. I'm going to put a quick caveat here that I also just had to reconstruct this from the state of the league right now and going back through some blessings that change things around. So I think that forensic baseball, I'm fairly certain this is accurate, but my memory is absolutely terrible for someone who's doing a recap podcast. So this, I'm fairly certain this is right. So, in our wild high... We have the New York Millennials, the Breckenridge Jazz Hands, the Chicago Firefighters, the San Francisco Lovers, and the Baltimore Crabs. In Wild Low, we have the Boston Flowers, the Hellmouth Sunbeams, the Houston Spies, the Miami Dale, and the Unlimited Tacos. In Mild High, we have the Dallas Stakes, the Seattle Garages, the Canda Moist Talkers, the Hades Tigers, and the Kansas City Breathments. And in Mild Low, we have the Charleston Shoe Thieves, the Hawaii Fridays, the Philly Pies, the, ironically enough, the Mexico City Wild Wings in Mild Low, and the Yellowstone Magic. Keep an eye on the Mexico City Wild Wings. Stuff's gonna happen. Anyways, so, that's our decree. And, uh, so let's get into blessings. Now, before I get into blessings, I have one question for you, Lee, which is, are you ready for crab? When am I not ready for crab? I don't think many people were, but unfortunately for them, it is time for crab. Because... Now look at the time. It's time for crab. What I should make note of is somewhat background information for Blaseball right now, which is that the crabs have been doing a very good job of growing their membership. The number of people who have selected the team representing them to be the crabs, and have... Uh, we haven't been going over the numbers so much 
in the previous blessings because, quite frankly, it would be probably very overwhelming and probably a little boring if I was just to go down the percentage of votes and votes cast on every single blessing. However, the crafts have been managing to get pluralities in many of these blessing lotteries. Meaning that, you know, they don't have the majority, but they have the most number of votes in many voting categories. And it hasn't super paid off for them. They got pretty good last season with their two pitcher switches. But this season truly takes off. The Crabs win four blessings. I lead with this because remember also that we go in blessing order and the Crabs came in first place this season and now are getting four blessings. It is time for Crab. We're going to get into a little bit more of crab luck. Crab luck has typically been described as really, 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 really bad, but it's time for some good crab luck, because the first two blessings that the Baltimore crabs win are Zombies Run presents Horde Hallucinations, which improves the crab's base running by 17%. Question. Yes. Was this sponsored by the yes. running app? Yes. They, in fact, they have a, a specific baseball story that you can run to on Zombies Run. I have Zombies Run downloaded on my phone, and I've been using it when the weather is a bit warmer, and by a bit warmer, I mean above freezing. I did not know that they had a baseball run that you can do, so I will be checking that out and reporting back on it at some point in the future when the earth has thawed and the sun shines again. Uh, I've done it. There's a, It's a long way between bases. <laughs> yeah. You know, that uh, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, we, we have a couple sponsored. We've actually seen a trend of, of sponsored blessings. Sponsored blessings. I think they're called <laughs> indulgences. Evan. And it all comes back to Catholicism, I think. I think that's a Catholic thing. I yep. don't know. I'm Jewish. <laughs> yeah. Indulgences were a uh, Catholic thing, and they are one of the things, I believe, that led mm. to the schism of the Catholic Church. <laughs> Save that for our Catholicism recap podcast, where Lee explains <laughs> Catholicism to me, who knows nothing about it. Someone who is only kind of aware of what happened in the history of Catholicism explains it to someone who does not know what happened in the history of Catholicism. I know Martin Luther was a dick to Jews. That's <laughs> Yep, and doors. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, the Baltimore Crabs, the second blessing that they win is rollback netcode, improving their, their stats overall by 6%. Now, this is where we're going to talk about some other crazy luck that the Crabs had, because they won these votes with pluralities, so... 29 and 23%. Not guarantees, not long shots by any means. However, these two blessings had randoms in them because Horde Hallucinations was improve your team's base running from anywhere from minus 8% to plus 24% and rollback netcode improves your team overall rating anywhere from negative 3% to plus 9%. So for the Crabs to win both of these and get incredibly good rolls on both of them, is some pretty great luck on their part. Hell yeah, crabs. Here's where crab luck, crab good luck continues, because again, the crabs are going to get some more crazy luck. The third blessing that the crabs win, with only 5% of the vote, is Falling Stars. Falling Stars is probably the most powerful blessing this season, because it was... <clears throat> Falling Stars was improve four random players on your team by one star. So, Falling Stars blesses the Baltimore Crabs, improving Nagomi McDaniel, Forrest Best, Kendi Loser, and Pedro Davis overall by 20%. They win this with 5% of the vote. And then, they win their fourth blessing, the plan, pitch from the plate, stealing 
the best pitching hitter in the league, Axel Trololo, who you will recall was a star pitcher who then got shuffled into a hitting position and then swapping them into pitcher position. So just one more time, because this is a little bit of a complicated blessing. It steals the hitter in the league who has the best pitching and then sets them to a pitcher. So the Crabs, besides these massive stat boots, also just gained a new star pitcher. Yes, Crabs. This is, this is, it is time for Crab. Crab time is here. Get your Old Bay. We pop in the biggest Old Bay containers when Crabs become canon tonight. So yeah, that's the Crabs. Now, this is somewhat... This is just, this is somewhat solid, just the tiniest bit for our next blessing. Because, Lee, do you remember when you said that the jazz hands subsumed the crab's power? You remember how I said that was going to become relevant? Sure did. So, the Breckenridge jazz hands win the seduction blessing. Ooh. Which steals... Sexy crabs. The best hitter in the league. Now, now, here's where, here's where interesting crab luck happens. Because... At the beginning of this season, you might recall from last season that Jessica Telephone, star player Jessica Telephone, had been passed over. And then Jessica Telephone had eaten a peanut and been the first player to surpass five stars in a stat. Because the Crabs won Falling Stars and Falling Stars blessed Nagomi McDaniel, the Breckenridge Jazz Hands, who had originally stolen Nagomi McDaniel and held her for less than a second when she was then stolen by the Baltimore Crabs, they steal back Nagomi McDaniel. Nagomi McDaniel, the newly minted best hitter in the league because of Falling Stars is stolen by the Breckenridge Jazz Hands. Ah, uh, I spoke prophecy again on accident. Now, to add insult to injury to the Crabs, the Jazz Hands won this with 2% of the vote. The Baltimore Crabs were the highest bidders with 28% of the vote. Oh, ow. Oh, man. That's gonna sting. Continuing on. Oh, one of the favorite events of baseball. <laughs> the Hades Tigers win two blessings. The first blessing that the Hades Tigers win is Fireproof Jacket, which was going to give a player an item which makes them immune to incineration. McLaughlin Scorpler, player for the Hades Tigers, gains the Fireproof Jacket. The second blessing that the Tigers win is Noise-Canceling Headphones, an item which makes the player immune to feedback. McLaughlin Scorpler gains the Noise-Canceling Headphones. So this dude is just, this dude's just, like, incredibly well-dressed right now. Except, baseball. There was not mechanics for one player to have multiple items. So by gaining the noise-canceling headphones, McLaughlin Scorpler discards the fireproof jacket. McLaughlin Scorpler does not have the fireproof no! jacket. That blessing, nothing happens from it because McLaughlin Scorpler gets the noise-canceling headphones. I believe this is a little. This is something I, I, I uh, from a from a previous dev stream that, that I haven't had the, the time to watch yet. I say having spent hours in the past weeks writing up notes on baseball and but not watching this. That this was another case of kind of emergent storyline because there was entirely a possibility that McLaughlin Scorpler gaining two items could have just broken everything. 
Like, it wasn't written in that McLaughlin Scorpler. Like, it's not written in that McLaughlin Scorpler gets rid of the fireproof jacket. It just is replaced by the noise-canceling headphones. It could have gone bad, apparently. I assume that he just, like, whipped it off. (gasps) Threw it into the air. (laughs) No, thank you. I shall only have my noise-canceling headphones. I should also note the... I I say I'm not going to talk too much about the math of things, but this is also another fun one. The Tigers won this with 8% of the vote, beating the Chicago Firefighters, who had 47% of the vote, because goddamn did they want a fireproof jacket. Also, Tigers are cool. They should (laughs) get the jacket. Imagine a tiger in a jacket. That's cool. Panda Moist Talkers win flame-resistant foam. They have covered themselves with fire-resistant foam and will be immune to incineration during season six. Uh, you know, foam parties. Just spraying it all over I've themselves. I've never been to one, but I imagine that it's hard to... You know what? I'm not I'm not going to say anything about the flammability of parties. I feel like that's going to be a bad thing. Well, let me put your mind <laughs> at ease. They're not really all they're cracked up to the be. Dallas Stakes win Mutual Aid... Switching their worst hitter, August Mina, and their worst pitcher, Connor Haley. They also win the plan, hit from the mound, stealing the best hitting pitcher in the league, August Sky, from the Breckenridge Jazz Hands, and sending back Comestes. I should note that, oh, yes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I should have mentioned, going, going back just a moment, I should have mentioned one more thing about... Not to undermine the stakes here, but regarding the Breckenridge Jazz Hands stealing of Nagomi McDaniel, they sent back yes. Holden Stanton, the player that the Crabs had sent when they stole Nagomi from the Jazz Hands. You can't get rid of good old Holden Stanton that easy. Oh boy, can't you. So, keeping it wavy blesses the Kansas City Breathments, improving their minimum vibes by 15%. Solidarity blesses the Hawaii Fridays, improving their maximum vibes by 15%. The Hawaii Fridays also win the Wax Blessing. They plug their ears with wax and will be immune to feedback in Season 6. Bad Neighbors blesses the Charleston Shoe Thieves, impairing the overall stats of the... Mexico City Wild Wings, the Hawaii Fridays, the Philly Pies, and the Yellowstone Magic by 3%. And finally, the Charleston Shoe Thieves also win Soul Swap, randomizing the pitching stats for their players. They get some pretty good rolls here. Gunther O'Brien goes from 0 to 2 stars. Beasley Gloom goes from half a star to two and a half stars. Kevin Dudley goes from half a star to two stars. And the only bad roll is Snyder Briggs goes from one star to half a star. Uh, So pretty good rolls for the Charleston Shoe Thieves. And uh, that's our season. That's season five of Internet League Baseball. Reverberations were abound. We got some real fun flavoring in blessing votes and in blessing turnouts. But what'd what'd you think, Lee? This feels like such a a fresh, simple season compared to the things that we are <laughs> gaily marching towards. Yeah, we don't we don't even see the peanut show up. Peanut doesn't show up. Yeah, there's no peanut. There's barely any incinerations. It's a it's a chill. It's a, it, I mean I wouldn't say it's necessarily a chill season, but you know it doesn't feel like there is. A, 
as many shakeups. Besides- It's uneventful. I don't think it's uneventful by any means. I think there's just, you know, there's nothing that like changes the paradigm up until the decree, which changes the paradigm because all the teams are now shuffled in the leagues. So <laughs> any questions, any, 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 anything you want to go over or, or should I just get to the point where I ask you with season six on the horizon with these new leagues, no longer do we have good and evil, just high and low. What are you looking forward to? You know, what I would like to see, while we're touching on the whole incineration thing, and the fact that there is a mechanic in play that might make a player die of anaphylaxis, do you think that at any point in the future we're going to see the players unionize? Blaseball Players Union. In a way... I could very easily see that as some mechanic in the future, quite honestly. But in a way, didn't we unionize when we came together against the Peanut? Were the Hall Stars not truly a union? They paid their dues. We paid their dues for them in Peanuts. They joined the union and then they fought an evil god or a nutty god. Yes, but people are still getting set on fire. <laughs> True, true. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Blaseball's under new management. Maybe the players are gonna are gonna uh, come back against that. Blaseball is labor. Workers of the world unite. You know, slight tangent into the future. I believe at some point during this grand siesta, participants from the Houston Spies conducted a union-forming seminar. Like, I didn't attend. I don't know whether it was in character or if it was about baseball, but I know that they did a- I'm fairly certain they did, like, an actual seminar on how to organize in your workplace. So, I mean, like, good on them for doing that. I have no idea, like, the authenticity of it. I have no idea if it was good or not. But I'm fairly certain it was a thing that happened. You know, I was wondering how many episodes it would take for us to veer into just becoming a leftist podcast that has a thin veneer of baseball shellacked over it. We're coming for you. Come town? Is that? It looks like we've finally taken that turn. I don't know. I don't know. Leftist. I don't, I don't even know. if the, A, I don't know political podcasts. B, I don't think that's a leftist one. I think that's like a liberal one that's, you know, I'm going to get. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't frequently listen to leftist podcasts in general, but A, I will not indulge the darkest portion of my id that was going to say, <laughs> just go ahead and book me a ticket to come town. Citations needed. Have us on your podcast. We can talk about media manipulation in sports, both real and fictional. You heard it here first, folks. We are completely willing to ruin your podcast by talking about baseball and McRibs and Catholicism. Nima Shirazi, call me. All this could be yours. As always, I've been Evan Saft. You can find me on Twitter, at Names Equipped. You can find both of us on our other podcast rollout, playing a Queer as Fuck Mask campaign. And Lee, you want to take it from here? Yeah, I have been, as always, Eli Lee. You can find me on Twitter at It's Ham Hawks, and you can also find me on the aforementioned rollout podcast. And until next time, I hope that if you decide to indulge in a universally hyped up food stuff, that it's okay, and you're not disappointed.
thanks to the Garages for letting us use their song, and I mean All Gods, as our theme. You can find more music that they've written about baseball at thegarages.bandcamp.com.